Good morning. Happy Father's Day, Holy Hammock Day, 12th Sunday in Ordinary Time. I thought because it was Father's Day that we would begin today with a little clip of a, of a father and of a son. This little guy's name is Ethan. Love that guy. His delight over ripping a piece of paper, playing that little game with his father. Let me just sort of flip that to a different spot and remember the time when you first had that delight with your heavenly father? That joy of play, that delight in who he was, the delight in this gift of life that we've been given. Let that rest in your heart a little bit and stand and join me in the call to worship. The Lord is the stronghold for the oppressed. And those who know your name put their trust in you. Sing praises to the Lord who dwells in Zion. Let us declare his deeds among the
Let us be bold as we come before God and one another, confessing those things that we may have not done in the way God desired this week, and asking for God's forgiveness. Let us pray together. Lord, your Son, Jesus, you have made us heirs of eternity, but we don't appreciate the gift of today. You have given us new sisters and brothers in Christ, and we have taken them for granted. Our conscience is uneasy, and so we come before you making feeble requests when you long for us to come asking boldly for what only a heavenly Father could give. Forgive us, merciful one. Heal our troubled hearts and make of us a people worthy of the name of Christ. If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he who is faithful and just will forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. joy to have you in worship this morning. Um, a few announcements for you, um, just to let you know what's going on in the life of the congregation. Remember, you have this little tear-off tab here on your bulletin, and in a little while there'll be an offering, and just put that in the offering as you uh, have the chance. You'll notice there are a few things to sign up for. Today is the last day for you to sign up to go on the Morton Arboretum Theater Hike, sort of a unique um, uh, experiment we're doing with the fellowship, and uh, we need to hear from you today. It's your last chance to sign up for that and be a part of that. Um, on July the 5th, two weeks, I'm giving you the official book of order notice. We will have a m congregational micro-meeting because we have a, a new nominee for elder that we didn't get to vote for a, a week ago, and that's Nancy Koval. We're really excited about that, Nancy. And... Um, so that will be the only item on the agenda. 10-15, July the 5th, you're going to vote yay or nay on Nancy. I think she's going to give a couple speeches. You know, <laughs> She'll be kissing babies and hanging out. You know. Oh, kissing babies are good. So, so that's the 5th. And then uh, July 19th, the church picnic at Salt Creek Park. Uh, games and food and fun that day. And then um, July the 26th, uh, um, the run for hunger again. Uh, this year, we're glad to report to you we have, again, a, a number of great sponsors. Uh, so we're already, it looks like the, the uh, run is going to uh, be very profitable for uh, the food pantry and helping to feed people in the area. But we're going to need lots of volunteers. So if you can sign up to help us that day at 8 o'clock that morning for the Run for Hunger, the little fun run that comes afterwards, that would be great. 
And then again, we have a special worship service that day. Uh, we'll, we'll have one service, and it'll be right at 9.30, and, and that'll be a runner service. That's the day you can come and be dressed like a runner. You can really dress down, uh, come in shorts or whatever, and it'll be a great day to be in worship. Also, VBS is coming uh, the first week of August. Crocodile Dock, and there are songs available, CDs out here at the Welcome Center if you would like to start playing those so that the kids in your family can start learning those songs. Um, just grab one of those CDs. It would be great to have you do that. Our Share the Vision treasurer, John Udelhofen, has been diligently taking care of paying our mortgage and all of that, and, but every once in a while he's riding on the train downtown and, and he has um, m- these great moments of insight and intuition about things. And John has a special announcement that he wants to share with you today. John? morning. Uh, about once a year I get to come up here and uh, give you some updates on our uh, building fund programs. And uh, since today's Father's Day, I thought I would take a fatherly type of uh, view on what I was going to talk about today. So today we are going to talk about, slide please, return on investment. Very, very fatherly. Not not a very popular thing to talk about these days. Mike brought you way up with that video with the kid laughing. I'm going to probably bring you way down by talking about the economy. Because it hasn't been an easy year the past year or two um, for those who have money invested in stocks, bonds, 401ks, pension plans. Um, the value of everything is down. Even for those who just maybe have money sitting in a money market account. Uh, money market funds actually lost some value. Um, you know, interest rates, when you look on your bank statement, you know, I know on mine over at Chase Bank, when I see that 0.1% I earn, <laughs> you know, it's, it's, it's tough out there. It's ugly out there. Um, and really now, eight years ago, we started um, on a program here of um, doing some things to our building. Um, the first phase we called Faith of the Future. Uh, the last two we've called Share the Vision. And we've actually just reached a real big milestone, two big milestones really, because May 31st marked our eight-year anniversary of doing this stuff. And as of May 31st, uh, your giving has just surpassed $1.8 million. Woohoo! That's a big number. <laughs> Now, that's a huge investment that you all have made over these past eight years. It's an investment in this building, in the ministries, the mission, the spiritual growth that comes out of it. So I thought that we would take a chance here today to compare this return on investment versus other opportunities, other investments you might have been able to make. So $1.8 million, huge number. Over eight years, that equates to about $18,750 a month that you've given. So what if, on a monthly basis, you or we all would have done something else with this $1.8 million and put that $18,750 a month somewhere else? What if we would have put it in the S&P 500? That's an index of about 500 different companies. I'm going to step back here so I can see this stuff with you guys. Can we have that slide on the... uh, 
Now, it's a little small, it's a little hard to see, but the second line from the top is $1.8 million. So you can see from that red bar, it's much less. That's about uh, $1,466,000. If you had invested in the S&P 500 over the last eight years, $18,750 a month, it would be worth only $1.46 million. That's about a 19% loss on investment. Not too good. Not too good, right? Let's look at the next slide. What if we would invest in the Dow Jones Industrial Average? That's a slide on your right. Just a little bit better, but still well below the $1.8 million number. How about the housing market? The housing market, that always goes up, right? Always a great investment. Well, still a little bit better, but that's about $1.55 million there. Still a pretty big loss. There's another major market index out there called the NASDAQ. That's a lot of smaller companies. Okay, it's still getting better, but that's still about an 8% loss. Not too good. Where else? Where else could we put our money? How about if we were to put our money under a mattress? Okay, well, that's in <laughs> yellow. And you can see that is right on the $1.8 million line because your mattress probably isn't going to lose any money, huh? But you know, there's a guy named Jesus who told us a parable of the talents. And in that parable, he's told us, don't, don't bury your talents in the soil. Don't put them under a mattress. He's given us talents. He wants us to go out and do something with those. So mattress, probably not a good option. So what else? Well, let's look at what we've done with this $1.8 million, the sacrificial contributions that you've made. In 2002, we put on a building addition. For those of you who weren't here back then, the whole north end there wasn't here before. We put on that addition five new classrooms, an elevator, four handicapped accessible washrooms. We put a new roof on the sanctuary with that. I actually had forgotten about that. Uh, resurfaced the parking lot. Ralph Lawrence did a wonderful job of trashing the parking lot during the construction, so new parking lot. Uh, swing set, landscaping. Remember the old trailer that was out there that the youth group used to work in? Um, there was an underground storage tank we found. Um, so all that was taken care of in the 2002 building addition. Then in 2005, you made some further investments in renovating primarily Fellowship Hall and the lobby out here. Remember the old green dividers that were down there in Fellowship Hall? Remember how beautiful of a room that was down there? <laughs> Remember teaching Sunday school down there with five classes cut up in those dividers and nobody could hear anything? A little, little better learning environment now. Um, we actually added another classroom slash sound room. The storage area where all the tables and chairs are, those used to just kind of be strewn about Fellowship Hall. Uh, we added the stage down there. We have this wonderful inviting lobby now, the welcome center, the nursery. How awesome is our nursery? Uh, we merged together the library and daycare room. Lots of good stuff in 05. And then, most of you remember just last summer, we did some restoration in here. Stay in the pews, comfortable cushions. Uh, we redesigned the whole chancel area. Um, I, always, I, I think Roger Lawrence is probably the one who's most disappointed because if you remember in the choir, Roger always stands over here. And he used to actually try to sneak up and stand on the pulpit when the pulpit was over here. <laughs> I see Roger just standing here like a regular choir member now. Um, 
new sound system, these wonderful screens you're staring at. We did all that in 2008. So what a lot of stuff that is that uh, we've done over these past eight years. So how does that, what's that turn into? Well, let's look at the return on that investment. Oh, look at that. I had to take the numbers off the left because we can't really measure exactly the return, but I hope you'll agree with me. An excellent return on investment. Better, I think, than anywhere else that we could have put our money. Um, a little update, we have one year left on our three-year giving campaign that we're currently in. We, someone asked the question at the congregational meeting how we're doing on our mortgage. We're paying it down on track, on schedule. Everything's going just fine there. We do still have about $1.1 million in debt, which again, we knew was on, that's on schedule, on plan. So we are gonna have another three-year giving campaign that you'll start hearing about next year. Probably gonna have another one after that because we still have some debt to pay off, but everything is going very, very well. There's no definitive plans at this point for a next phase. Really, of these three first phases, were pretty well planned when we started this, but we knew we couldn't do it all at once, so we broke it up into pieces. There's no definitive plans for the next phase. There may be a thing or two that comes up that gets uh, put in, but primarily the next campaigns will be on debt reduction because we need to pay down our debt. Um, you know, maybe, maybe some of you made pledges to share the vision to, and you're on track to uh, fulfill it. Maybe some of you are a little behind. Some of you have already completed the pledge. Um, maybe you weren't able to pledge or give when we talked about this two years ago. And maybe you're new. Maybe you're new to the church and, uh, and weren't here two years ago to make a pledge and start con contributing. Um, the theme for all these past eight years has been not equal gifts, but equal sacrifice. Um, in many churches, I think that $1.8 million would largely come from a few wealthy families. It's not the case here. This is an unbelievable church-wide effort. So many people give very sacrificially what they can. Um, it, you all often remind me of the story of the widow's mite that is in uh, Mark 13, because you don't give out of your wealth, but you give out of sacrifices that you make. And I know you give up vacations, entertainment, meals, you had garage sales, you put off major purchases, You've all done very sacrificial things to uh, contribute to this ministry. Um, and somehow, you've been able to live without these things. And it's all made a difference. Whether you give weekly, monthly, annually, it has all made a difference. If you're not sure how to give, there's an envelope in your pew that says building fund on it. All you need to do is write the dollar amount on that if you, if you don't have uh, one of the green envelopes that you might have gotten if you pledged. So over the next year, when you think about, where am I gonna invest my money? Maybe you think of this chart, and maybe you can think about where you might get the best return on investment. Um, because definitely one of them, thanks to all of you, has been in YPC, that all of you received, and all who passed through these doors have received from the things that we've been able to do to enhance our faith. Thank you, John.
Good morning. Do you ever wonder how do we know who Jesus is? How do we know who Jesus is? Where do we go to learn about who Jesus is? What do you think, Sam? You go to church sometimes, yeah. Maybe in Sunday school you learn about Jesus. Maybe your mom and dad tell you stories about Jesus and what they believe. Today we're going to turn to a story in the Bible that tells us about a time when Jesus was with the disciples. And from this story, we get an idea of who Jesus was. So are you ready to act out the story with me? Will you help me, Jess? Why is Pastor Mike asleep? Well, you know what? That's not Pastor Mike. That's not Pastor Mike at all. That's Jesus. We're going to get ready and act out the story, but I need help from the congregation as well today. There's going to be a time when there are great winds that come blowing, and I need you all to be the wind and make wind noises. Will you do that for me, congregation? Okay. All right. So we are the disciples. We are the women and the men who've left our homes and we're following Jesus. And one night after a long day of preaching the gospel, Jesus said to us, let's get in a boat and go out to the other side. So we get in our boat. Does everyone have a seat in the boat? Here we are. It's a nice, calm evening, and we're rowing along. Can you all help me row? Yeah, get your rows going. There you go. And we're going across, and we're talking about the day's activities. Wasn't that great, all the new people we met today? And then suddenly, with no warning, huge winds came up. Oh, no. Look, the water's coming over at the side of the boat. Quick, bail it out. Take your hands and get that water out of the boat. Oh, we're being tossed and turned. Oh, my gosh. And we're going to look at Jesus and say, Jesus, don't you care that we're going to drown? And the wind keeps coming. And the water's coming. Jesus, don't you care about us? Suddenly, the wind died down, the waves became calm, and the boat was still. We looked at Jesus, and he said to us, Why are you afraid? You still have no faith? We looked at one another with great surprise. We were astonished. And we said to one another, Who is this? Who is this Jesus that even the wind and the sea obey him? Will you pray with me? God, who fills us with faith, who has sent us Jesus to be our teacher, and our leader. 
help us to remember that you are always there, creating calm in the midst of our chaos and our life storms. We pray in Jesus' name, and all God's people say, Amen. Amen. Let us now, out of gratitude to a God who stills the storms in our lives, let us receive our morning offering. Now that we've acted out the story, we're going to actually read it. Before we do that, though, let us pray together. Lord, for many of us, this is a very familiar story. And yet, 
It's more than a story. But a recording of your interaction with your people. A moment of insight profound for all time. As we read this word, your word to us, may it speak deeply in our hearts. Amen. This is Mark 4, 35 to 41. You may follow along on page 39 in the New Testament of your pew Bibles. On that day, when evening had come, Jesus said to his disciples, Let us go across to the other side. And leaving the crowd behind, they took him with them in the boat, just as he was, and other boats were with him. A great windstorm arose, and the waves beat into the boat, so that the boat was already being swamped. But he was in the stern, asleep on the cushion. And they woke him up and said to him, Teacher, do you not care that we're perishing? He woke up and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, Peace, be still. Then the wind ceased, and there was a dead calm. He said to them, Why are you afraid? Have you still no faith? And they were filled with great awe and said to one another, Who then is this that even the wind and the sea obey him? This is the word of the Lord. As we approach this story, it's good to remember that several of the guys in the boat that day were fishermen. Men who had been out on the sea many times in all kinds of weather. That the storm is so bad that they go wake up Jesus is pretty significant. I mean, you could imagine somebody like Matthew, you know, the tax collector, landlubber, he's from Kansas. <laughs> he's getting anxious early, you know. Maybe it didn't come up really fast, but it kind of, you know, it came up. And Matthew, you know, he sees the clouds and the wind is starting to rock the boat. And he turns to, to Peter and says, Peter, don't you think we ought to wake up Jesus? And, and you can hear Peter say, relax, you pansy. We fishermen see this stuff all the time. Quit worrying. Let the guy sleep. Right? It's something like that. But then, of course, the storm does get really fierce. And, you know, later that little boat's just bucking and rocking on the waves. Water's starting to pour in over the sides. And the wind is just increasing in its intensity. And then you can see, oh, really, Peter sort of eating his words at that point and, and turning to Matthew and going, well... Well, maybe, Matthew, maybe this, it would be okay if you went and said something to Jesus quickly. And so they go. But notice, and this is a really, really big thing, though the disciples are clearly worried that the ship is going down, certainly worried enough to wake Jesus, it's only after he calms the wind and the waves that they are in this really awe-filled terror. 
Some versions of the Bible, including our Pew Bibles, the NRSV, tries to soften up Mark 4.41 by claiming that the disciples, what they felt after Jesus calmed the storm was this great awe. But that may not be exactly correct. If you, if you look at it, this in the Greek, and since it's Father's Day, I want to do something really impressive for you here. <laughs> and, and they are impressed. So... In the actual Greek, it says, Kai, Ephobathesan, Phoban, Megan, which is literally, and they feared a great fear. And it really just sort of piles the fear on, fear after fear. This is not just awe. Scott Hosey says, uh, it's the kind of thing a frightened child might say when, when they said, Daddy, when that, when that big bang of thunder happened, I was scared with a really big scare. It's not the kind of thing that really sounds like awe. It sounds like terror, doesn't it? That's what's going on. But it's not during the storm. It's after the storm is quieted. Until then, perhaps, the disciples thought that they'd signed on to follow a pretty amazing and charismatic teacher, obviously this incredible healer. But now, this man is something else again. For the first time, they have an inkling this guy might not be entirely human. Sean McKeel, one of the 125 people good enough in the world to play on the PGA golf tour, says of Tiger Woods, I have said it many times, I'll say it again, I think if you could open Tiger up, all you would find is hydraulic fluid and wires. That's from one of his colleagues. Of course, Tiger inspires because he is simply the very, very best of the best. Maybe not this week. The best of a bunch of extraordinarily gifted athletes. Perhaps even the greatest golfer that's ever lived. But Tiger is still just a human being. What the guys in that boat saw for the first time was that this fellow Jesus might not entirely be just a human being. And they are afraid. As Lucy asked Mr. Beaver about Aslan in the first Narnia book, is he safe? To which Mr. Beaver famously replies, safe? Of course he isn't safe. But he's good. He's the king, I tell you. Aslan, of course, is, is Jesus in Narnia. He's not safe, but he's good. The disciples are in awe and fear and speak for all of us, I think, when they realize this guy, Jesus, may be someone more than they ever bargained for. And here's the rub, isn't it? That we all want the presence of God in our lives, don't we? But we also fear that presence, too. Jesus says to the disciples, why are you afraid? Have you still no faith? Now here's a question. 
Is he referring to their is he referring to their fear of the storm? Or does he see in their eyes this new fear that they're now in the presence of someone more than they bargained for? Perhaps it's both. A little of both. And we may continue to have maybe both kinds of fear ourselves so that Jesus, do you still have no faith? Question comes up in our own heart from time to time. It's easy to read Mark 4.40, do you still have no faith? And imagine Jesus having a very stern and vaguely scolding tone of voice, right? Why are you afraid? Have you still no faith? But was that really the case? We don't know the tone of his voice. Or maybe was it something more of Jesus like a like a mother or a father having compassion on trembling children, scared and gently asking them, why are you scared, honey? Taking that child's face in their hands, it's okay. I'm here. Everything will be all right. I want to show you another film. It's Father's Day. This is another short film about a father and a son. The son in this film is a little more grown up, maybe a little too grown up. It's a Greek film, so you're going to have to follow along on the subtitles, but I don't think that's going to be too hard for you. It's called What is That? I think if you're sitting in the way in the back, you might not have been able to read those subtitles. What was going on is the father sees the sparrow, and about four times in a row he asks, what is that? And the son keeps saying, it's a sparrow, it's a sparrow, and he gets really ticked off at him, and he goes, S-P-A-R-R-O-W, sparrow. And then the father leaves and comes back with this little diary. And he, it's a diary of being at the park with this same son, and the son is three years old, and he says 21 times, my son asked me, what is that? And 21 times, I answered, it's a sparrow. And each time, I hugged him and told him it was a sparrow. I didn't get mad. I hugged him. Once again, how often are we not like this son, forgetting the infinite loving patience of our Heavenly Father, the gentleness and mercy that God has shown us all our lives? Who is this indeed? It's a question that we need to get settled soon because a storm is coming for all of us. We're all in the boat. I don't know if you could see this. This is one of those hardest things. We're all in the boat. You see what? There's men and women there. These are all the disciples from the story. They don't let Peter and James and John. There's men and women. This guy in the front is wearing an olive shirt. You know, that's not a normal disciple. There's a guy in the back that has a baseball cap on. Probably not wearing those 2,000 years ago. A storm is coming.
It's on the horizon. Maybe you're in one right now. Maybe you can feel it coming on. Or maybe it's the farthest thing from your mind. My wife, Paulette, has a client, had a client uh, that was in her early 60s and was involved uh, in an auto accident. Nobody was hurt, but she was devastated. She'd somehow made it into her 60s, and she couldn't understand how this had happened to her. She'd been minding her own business, and somebody ran into her. I was listening on the radio the other day, and a woman was talking about how, in the economic downturn, she'd lost her job. And then on top of that, she lost her house. And she said, I can't believe this is happening. I'm a Christian. This isn't supposed to happen to me. Really? The guy you followed died on a cross, and you don't think you're going to endure anything difficult? A storm is coming in your life. It's very important that you get settled right now in your heart the answer to that most important question, who is this? Because if you get that right, you'll know the faith that sustained your fathers and mothers for these 20 centuries now. That though the storm is inevitable, when it comes, the storm is not in control. Jesus is in control. Amen.
privilege to commission the under-shepherds for this coming year. If you are serving as an under-shepherd, could you please come forward now? In your happenings that you received this morning in your worship bulletin, you can see on the front page those who have agreed to serve as under-shepherds. These people are those who pray for you each and every week. These are the people that quietly and silently will remember you and celebrate joys with you, pray for you when you are in need, and constantly hold you and your life and your family and those you love before God. You can see these are some of our under-shepherds. More of them will be present at the second service. Would you please join me now in prayer as we pray and commission now? Let us pray. Good and gracious God, how amazing it is that in this congregation, each and every one of us, friends, companions, and members of this church, have both a deacon and an under-shepherd, one who prays for us, who remembers us, who thinks of our daily life and cares for all that we do. Holy Spirit, pull, pour out your power, your compassion, and your strength upon these women and men who have agreed to serve so faithfully as under-shepherds. Be with them in this coming year and hold them close to your heart as they hold each and every one of us close to their own hearts. Fill them with the words and that are needed, those for healing and compassion, for joy and celebration. And we would ask this day, Holy God, that you would bless their lives so that through the strength of their own faith, each of us might be continued to be lifted up. We pray this in your holy name. Amen. Thank you for your service to this congregation and for being so present to all of those who are in need. God bless you on this journey. Thank you. And this week in your own prayers, as you're remembering your family members and the world and community that we live in, let me also share these folks from the congregation that you can remember in prayer as well. Um, our youth... Uh, washed a lot of cars yesterday. Does anybody have an actual count? Any details on that? 74 cars? Wow. My car's never been cleaner <laughs> since last summer's car wash. <clears throat> yeah, very good. Excellent. Um, also, um, this week, um, a couple of folks are facing surgery that I'm aware of. Uh, Ted Schomburgs Jr. will be having surgery on Monday, and Lucy Pillinger next Saturday. Uh, continue to pray for them. Uh, Kinlan Giraldi and her family uh, have uh, just uh, had to deal with a very sudden death of a cousin in her family. Uh, prayers for them. And uh, the youngest Sunberg, Will Sunberg, had an emergency appendectomy on Monday. He's home and recovering well, but keep Will in your prayers and Pray that that continues to go smoothly indeed. Uh, also, it's good to have Kim back with us after surgery, coming in with her sticks there. We welcome her back. Let's pray together.
Loving God, it is Father's Day when we give thanks for those who have been fathers to us in our lives, who have modeled for us what it means to be loving and responsible, to be caring. We pray, thankfully, for each of our fathers that we're able to do that for us. We pray for our fathers that we're less than perfect. Indeed, we're like us. We pray to you, our Heavenly Father, in thanksgiving that we see in your relationship to Jesus Christ the ultimate model of a father and son loving each other intimately and profoundly with great self-sacrificial love. We pray that we ourselves not forget your loving mercy that's been extended to us from before our birth, that you watch over us every day, you give us the breath that we breathe in and out of our lungs. You give us life itself. If we have lost some delight in our lives, we confess we know that it's our fault. And we ask that you help us recover. Delight in living. Delight in being your children and having you as our great heavenly parent. Lord, as a parent, you you heard as your children heard, you rejoice as they rejoice, and so certainly you know of our concerns as we share our prayers for Ted and Lucy, for Kenlin's family and for Will, and for those that we haven't named who are hurting and struggling in their lives. We pray for their healing. And we pray that they themselves might sense and know your loving presence in their lives at this very moment. We pray in thanksgiving for cars that are washed, but not just for the cars, but because that enables our youth to reach out yet further to do work as they travel this summer, to touch other hearts and families. We're thankful for those under-shepherds. And we are deeply thankful that they are praying for us throughout the year. Gracious God, We know that this world is like a tiny sparrow to you that you hold in your hands, trembling and fearful. We pray for this fearful world. For how much 
action and reaction by peoples who forget that we are all your children and that we all belong to you and that we are all valuable to you. By your grace, may we come to our senses. May this world know peace. May we be able to move beyond fear to a life of hope and gratitude. These things we pray. As we pray together the prayer that your son taught us, saying together, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. So it's Father's Day. What do you get the, your father on Father's Day? My dad will be 90 in November. What do you get somebody that's 90? We used to get them like gift certificates. Then one day we pulled out this drawer. <laughs> gift certificates just poured out everywhere. 
What do you get your heavenly Father who has everything? The one thing that you can give him is your love, your gratitude, your thanksgiving. To remember that when the storm comes, the storm is not in control, but God is. And may you know that the love of God, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit are with you now and forever. Amen.